0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. All right, guys, welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. We are joined uh, by one of my friends that I have recorded with several times and by uh, a new friend of mine. We've got Mr. Jake Meyer and Mr. Brandon Meyer.
2: Gentlemen, how are you? Yeah, doing fantastic. Thank you so much, Dylan, for the opportunity and uh, getting ready to soak in some Christmas holidays, but uh, also relive a fun one here. So we're excited to be here. Amen to that.
3: This is Jake. But yeah, Dylan, thanks for having us on. Pumped to be here with you and your listeners and Jason as well. Thanks for having us.
1: We do have my co-host, Jason, as always. Uh, Usually, I'm the co-host, and he's the host. But um, Jason, how's everything going, man? It's going good. It's a wonderful day here in Oregon. Now, Jake, real quick before we jump in, uh, you are with um, some of our friends over at Mossy Oat. Tell us kind of everything you do over there at Mossy Oat.
3: Yeah. In a nutshell, I work in our marketing department. My title is the public relations manager. A lot of traditional public relations, and then that has continued to evolve into several different roles and responsibilities, but I'll just kind of leave it at that for now. Just a lot of media relations, industry relations, and then uh, 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 heavily involved with many other programs and initiatives we have within our entire marketing department.
1: Well, you guys do it, and you do it well. So, uh,
4: kudos to you guys I have a Go. fun little mossy oak story I, I better share since we've got him on the phone. I was uh, This goes back several years ago. I had some buddies of mine that made uh, hunting equipment for, for waterfowl, and uh, I, I used to bother him all the time. I'd be like, hey, when, when are you going to get original shadow grass for your blinds? And so it, it got to the point that apparently I was so annoying that he actually got with you guys and made me a, uh, one of his Tango free layout blinds in original shadow And I still have it. So, uh, that's anyway, awesome. You, yeah, it was Corey at Tango free. He, uh, he finally just gave it. out. He's just like, you know what? I'm tired of him asking, so he gave it to me.
3: <laughs> but I thought that was the pretty. Squeaky sweet. wheel no, I, always gets the grease. That's for sure. I'll tell
4: you what. The grease in a one of one layout blind. I thought that's pretty cool. That is There's, cool. I'm man.
3: actually sitting. I'm sitting on my uh, couch in my office that is actually in original shadow grass. That's pretty funny. Oh,
4: I. You know, that's a pattern. Yeah, everybody has those patterns that that just resonate. And that one for me just resonated with me I've, i think i've got nine boats and, and all kinds of gear in that so i, I still love that's
3: it. awesome one of those I, vintage uh, patterns that ha- hasn't really gone away from osseos yeah. along with like you know original bottom land and original tree stand those are just patterns that just never seem to quite go away and in fact are making a a very rapid uh comeback if you will but have
4: never Oops. really gone away You know the the funny thing is you called it vintage, and I remember when that was completely cutting edge.
1: (laughs) But uh, yeah, no that no comment. (laughs) (laughs)
3: That's
1: how that's how you handle public relations right there. Yeah, there you go. That's not how
3: that's not how you win friends and influence people. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we'll call it a proven pattern, Jason.
4: There you go. I hey, I like that. It is a
1: proven pattern. so So i am incredibly excited about this episode i i saw jake i saw you post um a a little just snippet of this story and i can't wait to to really just dive in um so i don't know i don't know who wants to start i don't know if brandon you kind of want to start with your story and and your background or if 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 you want jake to share how he got started started helping you and getting you influenced in, Mm -hmm. in into hunting but um why don't you start us off brandon and kind of tell us tell us about
2: your background yeah for sure um again i appreciate the opportunity and platform so uh jake and i and my twin brother houston houston and i are twins and uh, we were born in missouri in the midwest you know kind of white tail central if you will and um I was born as a twin premature and as a result of that uh, cerebral palsy has been a part of my life since birth and uh, what it does is it impacts your motor skills and it affects one side of your body or the other and for me it affected my right side and uh, you know hunting's always been a part of the DNA of our parents and and their families going back a couple generations and um our father introduced us to hunting and fishing at a very young age and I can remember going hunting for the first time at the age of five and going out with him and it being like 15 degrees and freezing cold and thinking it was the coolest thing ever looking back maybe it wasn't the smartest thing in the world but <laughs> uh those memories were fantastic and you know my parents and brothers always found a way to get me in the woods I, I'm I'm mobilely capable, meaning I can get around uh, fairly well, considering I have CP. It's a minor case, but getting around in the woods and the uh, uneven terrain is not the easiest thing in the world to do for me. And uh, you know, my dad told me just recently that it wasn't until I took you hunting that I knew everything was going to be okay uh, as far as wow. having a disability and That was a really powerful thing, you know, because for him to, uh, you know, let the guard down and and say that and to know that that influence and that was to happen in the outdoors was was really cool. So um, anyway, we hunted, you know, from the age of five and six all the way up till now. I'm 35 and um, I never killed a buck my entire life. I've killed some does. And uh, I guess a button buck, if you want to count that as a buck. Uh, I had a a lucky string of button bucks by two years in a row or three. But, um, yeah, so it was always a big part of my life. And then back in 2014, I moved out to Colorado to pursue a job opportunity, thinking that it would be a two-year, you know, trip and have some fun. And here we are six years in and married with a married with an eight month old almost and uh you know my brothers have always gone out of their way to make it uh accommodating for me to be in the woods with them and uh you know this story is that to a t and jake from the ground up made this happen and if it wasn't for him i wouldn't have known about this opportunity In northern Missouri, I wouldn't have been a part of it, and I certainly would not have had the success that I did. Uh, We don't get to spend a ton of time together like we used to. We used to fight and wrestle and play hockey, and I knocked his teeth out one time playing hockey. Uh, But uh, we don't get to the night before my third
3: grade field trip, by the way.
2: (laughs) I spent that next day in the
3: dentist instead of at the on the field trip, anyway.
2: <laughs> sounds <laughs> like he's still sorry. bitter <laughs> <about
4: that>. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's not yeah. as fun as it sounds like. <laughs> no, no, it's. I not, thought I was. Yeah.
2: I thought I you know, thought Jason I was, was tough, the only one and to I pick still up think. On that. Yeah, I thought I was tough, and I still think that because Jake's way bigger and taller than I am. But uh, uh no, we don't get to spend as much time together as we used to. So these memories and this one in particular i know is one i'll never forget and i'm just eternally grateful for it dude that that right there is is
1: the quote the quote you gave your dad um saying that he knew everything would be okay is is one of the most tear-jerking quotes maybe i've ever heard about the outdoor industry i don't know uh, about hunting i mean to hear that it's just powerful um and that's uh, for a lot of people you know, people who don't live the life that we all four live of, of hunting just being natural and hunting being what we were raised around, people don't understand how much it draws families and friends together when they spend that time in the outdoors. Um, and, and for you and for your dad, it, it almost meant everything, you know? Um, so that's just, yeah. that is absolutely powerful, my friend. Hey, yeah, Dylan, I got to I mean, you back on that. I, I just got to take you back real quick. I, I have to
3: say that Brandon is being very humble, in my opinion of having witnessed the adversity that he has gone through since well, since, since I've been alive. He's three years older than I am, but I have to say that the adversity that he's been through and uh, the accomplishes, accomplishments that he would have he never accomplished had it not been for his willpower. Um, I do just have to say that he was being very humble in describing, uh, what he dealt with. And I would argue what he still currently deals with. Um, I just got to say that, and I got to say he, he made, he made it happen his entire life. So, um, hunting with, with what the, the hand that he was dealt at birth and beyond, uh, I always I always tell people that Brandon is he, – he's not the player at the card table. He's the dealer um, in life. So I just wanted to say that because uh, he wouldn't be near where he's at today. I, I'll just say he could have had a, a much, much different path had it not been for the choices the, that he made on a daily basis to get better through therapy and through um, – Uh, I just remember the story when the doctor misfit him for a splint. And, Brandon, you can elaborate on this or correct me if I'm wrong. But the doctor misfit his splint, kind of like what you would think of Forrest Gump wearing is what you'd refer to as a splint or a brace. And Brandon, with the misfit splint, said, you know, well, if it's not going to fit me, then I guess I'll just teach my leg to walk without it. And that's what he did. But, um, I just wanted to say that cause, um, he, he has gotten himself to where he's at. That is awesome, man. Yeah. And he had two. Yeah. Sp- uh... Brandon, Brando, wasn't there an original diagnosis that there was a solid chance you would never walk. Then you learned to walk with a walker if I'm not mistaken, but I mean, just walk us through that real quick. I mean, people need to know that. So they know how sentimental this, this deer is that we're about to get to. Yeah. What, I... what was your weight when you were born? You in Houston?
2: Yeah. So we were born three months premature. We were supposed to be born in February. We came November twentieth. Ironically enough, during deer season. Um, I was two pounds two ounces. Houston was two pounds six ounces. And the prediction at that time was that we were. They were parents were told to be prepared for us to not come out crying to be stillborn and probably not make it candidly. And uh, we came out crying, and uh, we were rushed to the incubator like a, like a chicken about to hatch. And uh, I spent three months in the hospital, and uh, Houston spent a month and a half before we got to come home, and our parents didn't get to hold us for the majority of that time. Several weeks until we were our lungs were developed was the biggest key. uh, They knew um, before we came to the world that if we make it, something was going to be wrong or off with me and uh, just because of the development and uh, the prognosis was that he will not walk. That I would be in a wheelchair my whole life, and um, my mom and dad were the ones that said, Well, we'll see what happens, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, those first few years were agony, they were just so. I was in a body cast, I don't know the dates exactly, but from like six weeks to 20 weeks or something crazy from the shoulders down, because my bones were still developing and so forth. And um, I didn't walk until I was three. And when I did, it was uh, wobbly, to say the least. Um, And then I wore leg braces, which is what Jake was referring to. One on my right leg from which where your toes join the plate of your foot all the way up to the base of my knee and then uh a little a little uh like a cup or a foot cup on my left side primarily for balancing reasons uh but i wore those from you know six weeks all the way up through the age of 14 which is the event that you referred to jake and um every couple weeks you would have to go and get those splints molded because you start growing and you outgrow them. And At that time, they were made of super thick plastic with stainless steel hinges, and the mold never fit your leg. So they would mold it, build it, and then have to cut it. And then uh, I've had 23 surgeries throughout my life, um, all of which occurred between birth and the age of 14 but from the ages of you know 7 through about 11 i think i probably had 10 or 11 of those surgeries because when you grow and you have cerebral palsy your tendons and your muscles out outpace the rest of your body and the tendons don't stretch themselves when when someone who has a traditional walking gait walks properly your muscles expand and contract on their own. But when you have cerebral palsy, your muscles contract, but the, the brain doesn't get the wavelength to expand that muscle back out. So your muscles are constantly tight on the side that's affected. So doctors had to go in, cut my tendons in my calves and, and on my heel cords, stretch them as far as they could, cast them up for three or four weeks at a time so you have to walk with a cast and then uh take the cast off stretch constantly and then a month or two later when you grow again they'd go in and do it again so it just became this old hack of moving between brace and casts and having five or six extra pounds on your right leg and it was hard man it was super hard i i never really uh get into the weeds of it because there's always somebody that's got it worse than i do but yeah i mean i owe all the credit to my parents and those around me i you know i do have this fire i have this thing in me that like i won't be told no or you know you tell me i can't do something and i'm going to show you i can and then probably smile when i walk past you but uh um that's all because of the people around me. My parents could have easily said, Yeah, he's not gonna walk, he's gonna be in a wheelchair, whatever, and we'll make the best of it, but they didn't do that. And they pushed me hard and I'll never forget if I had a dollar for every time somebody told me no pain, no gain, I'd probably pay for Dirk's college. Dirks is my son. Um but that was the phrase back then was if it didn't hurt you weren't making progress and today's science might argue different to that but um man I'm, you know what god gives hills to people that can climb them i've been through some adversity i continue to go through adversity um as i age i'm 35 now cerebral, cerebral palsy has a different meaning to me today Than it did when I was 15, you know, when I was 15 or 20 or whatever, I was bulletproof, just like all three of you guys, or I thought I was, it was just a different version of being bulletproof. And it looked a little different on the outside. I've never walked a straight line in my life, nor will I, I'm perfectly okay with that. I'm just thankful to carry my child and be able to get up move around and i'll try to do that as long as i can because i know that father time is probably going to knock on my door sooner than he's going to knock on other people's because of cp so i'm trying to take advantage of everything i can and try to stay as active as i can but yeah i mean i look i appreciate that chance it was a journey it still is a journey my goal every day is just to make a positive impact on somebody and if i do that then i know that i'm gonna the right you know things are going to happen in life to me and those around me well you i can tell you this you have already in the
1: last five minutes of telling that story made a difference in me um it gives a whole new meaning to quit making excuses and, and get it done you know um so many people are so quick to make excuses Uh, even in hunting so quick to make excuses of why they can't do something or why, or or why something can't be done. And, and uh, so I admire your persistence in saying, you know what, it can be done and I'm going to stink and do it. Um, And so, man, kudos to you, Um, Jake, as being the guy that, that as, as Brandon has already said, got him, got him on this deer, got him, you know, helped him with this deer. What were some of the struggles of, of making that happen? I mean, the actual hunting struggles of making that happen.
3: Well, throughout life, it was, it was really kind of an access thing, um, just to throw that out there. With the property that we were able to hunt as a family was solid, but with respect to what Brandon was fighting through, there were just certain places that set up better for him and and certain blinds that were easier for him to be in and maybe you know be more comfortable in or get up and stretch if he needed to while still being concealed and not exposed to the game to whereas to put it frank my my other brother and i um you know we could climb into a lock-on stand that you know may have had inconsistent steps going to and from it. it you know just to put that into perspective we could climb easier we could whatever it was just how it was so as you can imagine when it comes to hunting deer and especially bucks that helped my other brother and i and my dad go to places where those deer may have been more prevalent um that maybe wasn't always the case for brandon but he's He's, um, I would argue he's just had like kind of horrible luck, too. Like he's put in the time throughout our life. He's had multiple all-day sifts during the right time, Um, has, you know, sat some good spots. But, you know, the deer never, he may have been that was on camera, may have never shown up. And then the next day is somebody on the same property. 400 yards in the next holler may have killed that deer. You know, it, that's just when that deer was moving and Brandon wasn't sitting in that stand at that time. So that's just examples. Like he's put in the time, he's put in the effort. He just never really had the the luck at all. So when this hunt presented itself, it was just to tell you what it was. It was a managed hunt through the Missouri department of conservation that Brandon was eligible for it. He was eligible to apply for it, and I figured that out. And for what it's worth, a lot of guys would kill me for saying what I'm about to say because it's going to create more competition. But non-residents can actually apply for Missouri Department of Conservation managed hunts. So with Brandon living in Colorado, I was like, this is perfect if he uh, draws for the hunt. Well, we put him in actually along with my dad who is uh you know i guess you'd say certified disabled um as well uh for other reasons um we put brandon and my dad in for the drawing and they both drew so i knew with where this hunt was which i um, for what it's worth i actually can't say where it was with respect to the location uh from a media perspective i i worked with them on what we can and can't say um, because we actually filmed the hunt that's going to air on Mossy Go, and uh, the episode will be called. Uh, it'll be an episode of our series called Family Tree. But anyway, I can't say where it was, otherwise I, I honestly would. But I knew that with where it was and the timing of it, and um, it was going to be great, or it had the chances to be great. So anyway, that's kind of what I saw as
1: I set it all up. So, they can download the Oak Go app to watch this episode.
3: Yeah, and it's not produced yet. But if you go to our app, you can stream it on Apple TV, Google, in any streaming platform. You know, everybody is aware of those: now Roku, Amazon Fire Stick, Google Chromecast, yada yada yada. You could download Oak Go. It's completely free, and. Um, it's got our entire digital library on it from videos ranging back to the early 90s when Mossy Oak started running cameras with the Cuz Strickland days and, and Toxie and the whole family and crew. Anyway, that's where the episode will live, and it's going to be a part of the series called Family Tree. We just got to finish the edit of it.
1: I absolutely cannot wait to watch that one, man
3: it should be really good and what i'm most excited about um, it was the memory that Brandon and i will will take it to the grave with us i can promise you we've had some incredible memories we're really close as a family we're really close as brothers that one got us really close as hunters <laughs> and there is a special bond when there's a special bond that's made with a memory like that, as outdoorsmen and and women, when it pertains, but uh, it it should be powerful. But what I'm really excited about is um, Brandon has taught me so much about life through uh, how he handles it and through the choices that he makes. So I just I, I know for a fact that this episode will reveal some lessons to people um, that that they may not have originally saw. Um, just of what people like Brandon um, may have to go through or have gone through um, and still make it a, a choice to be optimistic and persevere through hard times and, and, and honestly and quite frankly thrive as a, as a, a dad, a husband, and a, a professional and just an overall person. Um, I think people will get a lot of that from this episode.
1: Now this right here is what I absolutely love about hunting is it is for everyone. Everyone can get involved in it. No matter how old, no matter how young, no matter, uh, the disabilities, everybody can get involved in it and everybody is welcome to get involved in it. that's why I just absolutely love hunting. I love the relationships built inside of hunting. I love the memories built inside of hunting. Um, Tell us, tell us
2: how the hunt unfolded. Brandon, that yeah. was your uh, hunt? Role? <laughs> uh So we, uh, you know, we were kind of coming from all parts. Jake was coming from Mississippi, and um, Houston, our, my twin brother, and other brother is still in Missouri, and uh, our father as well. And then I was coming in from Colorado. So uh, Jake picked me up from the St. Louis airport um that thursday evening and we went up into you know north central missouri where we were hunting at and um we it was a friday saturday sunday event um uh, we had the opportunity to harvest uh, a buck and a doe um should that opportunity present itself and uh we hunted friday morning and we saw a lot of deer i think we saw 15 deer that first morning um no bucks and nothing close everything was 300 plus yards out uh or farther and then about 10 in the morning it started raining really hard so we jumped out of there there's always risk of getting uh flooded in that range and potentially stuck uh so we chose to back out and um same thing friday we hunted that same stand friday afternoon after the rain passed we had really high hopes and knowing that the front had passed and there was high pressure coming and um you know we we saw a lot of deer again a lot of does i think we may have seen a small buck or two but nothing remotely close and we were optimistic and not just gonna take the first shot at the first thing that came out the whole time you know we talked a lot about the strategies of where we were sitting why it was a good spot and so forth and uh, just created really good camaraderie around what we were doing and we were able to reconnect and then the so Jake orchestrated this hunt and put everything together and so forth and then he had to go to uh, Iowa on, on late Saturday night so it was kind of Saturday was kind of the, the crutch day for us where it was like, man, we got to get this done and we got to get it done together. And, you know, said a couple prayers before we went out Saturday morning and uh, we didn't really have any luck then either. And, you know, we seen, I think 10 deer Saturday morning and our, our dad had uh, shot one and they were tracking it. And so we decided to go try to help them um so we spent the better part of four or five hours tracking that deer unfortunately we weren't able to recover it uh, but we're confident that it's okay so then the sun finally came out uh saturday afternoon about 1 30 and we just felt like man we got to get in the stand and the folks that were running the hunt suggested that we go to a different location from where we'd been hunting and so we made that move um and uh essentially we were sitting on top of a a pond levee uh with thickets uh extreme thick woods about 100 yards out in front of us on each side uh, with a clearing in between the two uh and i was facing that direction and jake was kind of just next to me in the blind and so he was looking at everything up to our right, and uh, man, we're sitting there, and we had seen double-digit deer every time we hunted each shit, so we, we, you know, I guess our expectations, we were a little spoiled just knowing we're going to see something, and especially with the sun being out, and we didn't see a deer. We sat there, and sat, and we laughed, and joked, and told story after story about things that we probably can't talk about on this podcast but uh uh, we had a lot of fun and then all of a sudden it became this like moment of frustration like man we have an hour left in this hunt and we may not get it done and you know jake's put all this effort in i came in from colorado we all came together and we might not get it done and i i literally like said a prayer out kind of whispered it i think and maybe it wasn't as quiet as i thought at that point you know i love deer meat and i love providing for my family and i was just praying for a nice healthy dough uh to be able to help with management and so forth and uh we sat there about another 45 minutes and still nothing happened and all of a sudden this dough popped out of the clearing. Uh, which would have been to my right, um, and she's eating on some acorns and some grass and different things, and, you know, she was a nice mature doe, so I told Jake, I said, I think I want to go ahead and take a shot, and uh, fortunately, I was able to uh, put a shot on her, and, uh, you know, she dropped right when the, when the shot uh, was executed, and that was a really nice, uh, clean harvest there, so, at that time we had like what jake 30 minutes or so left in the hunt maybe 40 at the most Yeah. and uh yeah we were celebrating the doe and super excited and it wasn't 10 minutes later after i shot her uh there was another doe out in that same clearing and i candidly i thought she was gonna spook on us because she noticed that other deer laying there and she was real fidgety and not happy about something and uh all of a sudden jake looked up to his right and i think what was it about 300 yards or so those three does popped out exactly and uh i couldn't see him so i was kind of taking jake's word for it that they're up there and uh He said, oh, man, there's a buck coming out to check him. He said, I think you're going to want to take this guy. And I'm like, well, he's 300 yards away. In my mind, I'm thinking he's 300 yards away. Jake's way bigger than I am. We're in this small blind. We're going to have to get rearranged. And candidly, guys, this is the stuff about hunting that, because I don't get around very good, that quick movement and the quick uh, shuffling around in the blind, it's just not easy for me. So I'm like, gosh, here we go again. I'm going to have to deal with this and maybe it'll work. It usually doesn't. So here comes chapter 37 of me being cursed in the woods. And uh, man, this doe that was kind of fidgety out in front of us five minutes ago, I was kind of annoyed with her because I'm like, she's going to spook and ruin the rest of our hunt. Well, This buck comes out, really nice buck, and he checks those three does that Jake had seen originally. They weren't uh, interested in him whatsoever, so instead of, like, my past curses, this deer would have chased those deer off into the woods and everything would have been over, but instead, this buck started heading straight down the line, uh, tree line towards us, and He was coming to the clearing where that doe that was kind of irritating me was standing to come see if if she was interested whatsoever. And uh, Jake said, man, get ready, he's coming. And uh, I just tried to put myself in a position where I, I had to not think, not think and just execute and just breathe. Because I've been known to get buck fever or deer fever or call it what you want. Um, but um, in this case, I was able to keep my keep my wits about me. And uh, the buck just came in on a string. It was beautiful. Um, and uh, Jake was filming the event. And obviously, he mentioned it's going to air. Um, but he was kind of, because he was, closer to the deer he was giving me a little bit of information about the direction he was coming from and where to put my gun and so forth to safely execute a shot and we were both talking about once the deer got to a certain point to be ready and shoot don't wait beyond that point and uh fortunately all that came together and uh you know i put a a shot on that deer that we both felt was like a fantastic was a fantastic angle the deer came in like i mentioned uh was quartering uh just slightly quartering to me but it was still a very nice uh broadside shot uh and my father's deer that he had shot he shot with a ballistic tip and there wasn't just wasn't any blood and uh Ironically enough, this deer stopped, uh, I think it was about 120 yards. Is that right, Jake?
3: Exactly, yep.
2: And so it was about 120-yard shot, and, you know, it was a, Be- a Remington 270 that I was shooting, and just a, a gun that you knew it was going to perform if you put it in a position to succeed. And I uh, put the crosshairs right where we wanted to and executed that and just felt really good about the shot and then uh, had quite a moment there with Jake and you know all this emotion of years and years of hunting and not having any success and all that kind of came out and just the hunting has been frustrating even from climbing up into a deer stand and i always make way more noise than anybody else does and i feel like i'm being judged because of that and this was just like the culmination of all that stuff and finally a reward to where it was like man that is what it feels like when my buddies get these deer because you know you guys know how it is certain guys seem to have a horseshoe when it comes to deer hunting and they get one every year well, I've never been that lucky, but just getting one would be enough, so we executed the shot, and it was getting dark, and Jake had to go to Iowa, so um, we went ahead and went down, and we saw where the deer ducked into the woods, and we went down where he was standing, and wouldn't you know it, there wasn't any blood, and my heart sank a little bit, because we just went through this with our dad, and didn't have any luck, and you know these it's just the bullet just didn't create a big blood trail for whatever reason uh the folks that were facilitating the hunt came to try to track for us and with us and just about 40 yards inside the woods uh the deer was laying there and he had you know expired peacefully and uh jake and that gentleman drug him out of the woods and you know rather than me trouncing through the woods and i have to tell you he was bigger than i ever thought i uh
1: a beautiful Northern deer man. deer
2: have, yeah he, he is thank you so much they have big bodies and uh those big bodies sometimes make the racks look smaller and then when you get your hands around them it's like man this is a really nice really nice buck so i I was over the moon. I killed two deer within 20 minutes, and I haven't killed two deer in the last six years.
1: (laughs) That is absolutely incredible, man. Congrats on a beautiful deer. Yeah,
4: thank you so much. Uh, It all comes together like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I used to hear my buddies and my brothers tell stories about that, and I'm like, yeah, I don't believe that ever happened. uh, Fortunately, it did for me on that day.
1: I'm just glad it happened with your brother man that's even more that's even more special Um, yeah yeah that's that's just that's icing on on top man and and you know Jake I've been, been watching you man you've had a pretty killer season uh this year too and uh and so it just sounds like everything happened all at the right time with the right people in place and and I personally couldn't be more happy for you man
3: it was an incredible experience. I will say that I've I've had a good season, but I'm telling you that that hunt, I mean, that was hands down, pool, top. I've had some great memories with my dad. Incredible memories with my dad, but I mean, hands down, that was immediately top top two or three, along with you know my dad memories of just best best memories in the outdoors that is awesome it was incredible and the viewer will see that these listeners if they go watch it once the episode's airing they'll see it hit brandon's reaction they had a gopro running in the blind and uh his his reaction just sums it all up it was it was the epitome of just
1: a memory of a lifetime that's incredible jason you want to ask uh you want to ask him our important question guys one of the things we ask each of our
4: guests every episode is and and we've got once again we've got guys hunting all over the world we've got guys backpacking in and and uh, we had a guest on from australia and so every single guest gets asked this question what is one non-traditional item that you take with you on every hunt that you find in your pack that's that's something that might be just a little bit different than what the uh, what the average hunter would have.
1: J- Jace is probably the Mossy Oak Bottomland Crocs. I the Crocs are definitely a go-to,
3: especially if you need to switch up your luck. Um, so you you've, you've got to consider that. The, the, the <laughs> item I'll have on every hunt this is no joke turkey, deer, you name it, it that's non-traditional is definitely going to be wet wipes. A lot of people go with the standard toilet paper, but you haven't used – you're not treating yourself accordingly until you, you switch to wet wipes. <laughs> so so that's – so your
4: definition of luxury is wet wipes over toilet paper.
3: That's a good – that's a good way to put it, yeah, Jason.
4: Uh, all right. Okay. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a that's new great. one. That's great. We have not had that one before, so.
2: I and, – and Man, not. Non-traditional is such a broad way to describe something. Uh I love to eat, so I'd probably have at least four different versions of a snack. Uh, All right. Like beef jerky or crackers or, I mean, you name it. If I'm bored and I'm seeing nothing but squirrels, I want something to munch on. You got it. There yeah, you I've go. Never, I've never... I've never tried the the croc thing to change up my luck.
4: I, I definitely you know every now and then I'll I'll break out a fresh hat and try that, but I've never tried the croc route before.
1: Hey, listen, Jason, I'm telling you right now, me and Jake are both strong believers in the croc game. And and I'm yeah. telling you, for for base camp, for driving to your tree stand and then putting on your big boots for uh, I mean, they're just—they're incredible. C- crossing creeks—I mean, they are—they are vital part of my hunting equipment. They are, and
3: you will—you will make your wife happier because my wife was not sold on Crocs at first until. She understood that I would take them off. I'm like, if my boots were laced up or my shoes were laced up, i just walk in and out of the house. But when I'm wearing Crocs, it's easy to flip them on and off. And the Mossy Oak Battleman Crocs are switchable from two-wheel drive to four-wheel drive. You can flip That's that what little I'm about. behind your foot, kick them into four-wheel mm-hmm. drive, so you can go off-roading with them <laughs> bad boys immediately. But <laughs> just so once your wife <laughs> figures out that you're, you're going to have a cleaner house by her husband wearing Crocs, she is all of a sudden a huge fan.
1: A big fan. That's what I'm talking about. Well,
3: big believers.
4: Well, I, you know, maybe maybe I'll have to swing by Cabela's and see if they have those in original Shadowgrass.
3: <laughs> they don't. They don't. <laughs> Crocs, uh, you got to get them in original bottomland uh, because that's all they're offered in with respect to our patterns, but there's, there's no better product out there than those Crocs in original bottomland. So, um, I was going to tell your listeners that the next item that comes to mind would be a seat cushion, but you know, wet, that would be my next traditional item. But some people have those. But if you're going to do yourself a big favor and learn anything from me in this life, take wet wipes
4: with you to the woods. It's, uh, if I ever need any, you know, um, any input or advice on on keeping my backside, you know, happy, Jake, you're going to be the guy. I come to. between the seat pad well, and the wet wipes.
3: Yeah. The the cushion will keep it dry and arguably warm. But if that thing's dirty, you're going home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well before we get Could we too, end on that. Before we get too far into the <laughs> butt game. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh I I uh I hope that you will go check out Brandon's episode on Macio Go. How, how when can they expect that, Jake? Any, any Because
3: guesses? of what we, we still have to film some stuff, actually, right after Christmas, literally, like, we're, I'm going to Missouri to meet up with Brandon. We're going to film some interviews. I'm hoping, hoping, Dylan, by mid to late January is when that episode will be kicked out and available on Mossy Oak Go.
1: So keep an eye out but, for that episode on Mossy Oak Go because I, I, for one, cannot wait yeah. to see it.
3: I will say if you subscribe to our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, and every other platform, um, we'll we'll definitely post it and promote it on there so they can keep an eye out for its availability on our social media pages.
1: All right. Well, guys, thanks so much for joining us. Make sure and stay tuned and check out that video as soon as it's dropped. You guys have a great week. You too. Thanks Thanks, so much.